Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of the other stories has been sponsored by me, Luke Condor. And that's Condor with a K. And my new absurd comedy novel, My Dog Shits Cash. It's sweet like a Pixar movie, but riotous and absurd for fans of Wes Anderson movies, Adventure Time, and perhaps Bojack Horseman. I'm currently running a small crowdfunding campaign to produce a limited hardcover edition, along with an audio adaptation, by going to the link in the show notes or heading to lukecondor.com forward slash cash. Today's episode is The Devil Did It, a Miss Terry Mystery. Written by Richard Reynolds and narrated by Georgia Cook. You join us, dear listener, on a windy evening at the modest seaside village of Marples Bay. The Lord's Year 1889, where the eight members of Marples Dramatic Society accompanied by their parson, Mr Stanley Queen, positively hysterical in their nervous dispositions, gather outside a church of ill tidings. Oh, do let us be away from this evil place, Miss Terry. I can scarce stand the sight of it, implored Mrs Emily Depin. 
Please be calm, Mrs. Dupin. My intention in bringing you here today is to cure your fears, retorted Miss Josephine Terry, reassuringly. Miss Terry, a household name in all of Europe, formerly as a giant in the field of prestigitation, famed for her most singular command of escapology and mesmerism, so extraordinary a talent as to rise in a world exclusively of gentlemen, is latterly of renown in the annals of literature, whereupon she tours her work for the cream of society. Others, though, speak of her adventures as an amateur sleuth, where circumstances call upon her myriad talents to solve many a varied murder. Miss Terry's holidaying at Marple's Bay had been interrupted by a most evil affair, diabolical in every sense of the word. "'What is the meaning of this? Have we not suffered enough?' asked Mr. Wolfe, sole constable of Marple's Bay and dramatic player. "'I bring you here to reveal the truth,' Miss Terry offered, before moving to the church doors and flinging them wide. The ladies of the society shrieked, hiding behind the gentlemen, who were faring little better." faced with the pandemonium within. At some distance removed burned a fiery circle, within which stood an inhumanly tall, animal-headed devil, black-robed and terrible. Between it and a sinister altar ahead lay the body of a man, at the centre of a chalk-scrawled five-pointed star, bordered with demonic scribblings. A flash of light preceded the devil's disappearance, and the villagers' clamour became uproarious. "'Dear God, save us! It's happened again!' cried Miss Sarah Rebus. Uh, I never imagined, stammered Miss Louise Brown, before Miss Terry pulled close the doors. It's just as you described it, Mrs. Depin exclaimed to her husband, Captain Marcus Depin, ashen-faced. Compose yourselves, all is not as it seems, Miss Terry soothed. What you have witnessed is proof, not that the death of your colleague, Miss Catherine Fletcher, was the result of infernal worship, as is the prevailing belief, but of an evil of a more earthly sort. She threw open the doors once more to reveal the man stood, alive and well, next to a younger fellow wearing an overlong robe and holding a strange animal head. Bow for the dramatist, sirs. You performed a splendid turn. Ladies and gentlemen, Inspector Kenneth Marlowe of Scotland Yard and his aide, Constable Morrison Reacher, introduced Miss Terry entering the church and beckoning for the players and Parson Queen to follow. Don't take my invitation of Mrs. Marlowe and Reacher as a slight on your skills, Constable Wolf, but you would agree that you are very close to this case, and villagers being the hive of superstition they are prone to be, I would hate to see what is certainly a murder of the most callous kind, miscategorised as the work of Beelzebub. So then, you believe one of us to be a murderer? inquired Mr. Joseph Creek. I am certain of the fact confirmed Miss Terry. I have spoken to you individually in regards to this matter, in the capacity of a confidant, being used to such ghastly affairs, but these talks had a secondary purpose, for which you'll have to forgive my surreptitious use of the psychological methods to extract vital information pertaining to this crime, from which I have constructed a picture of the events two nights gone, which I shall account for the benefit of Inspector Marlowe. But this is outrageous! "'To scare us so and accuse us of horrid things,' objected Miss Brown. "'Not all,' corrected Miss Terry. "'Only four of you had the motivation to dispose of Miss Fletcher, "'and yet less had the opportunity. "'The inspiration for the murder's methods go back to Wednesday last, "'with Pastor Queen's most interesting lecture "'regarding the nuanced realities of occult practices, "'an evening I and a goodly plenty of the village were in attendance of. 
Having seen Miss Catherine Fletcher here and there, I can attest to her remarkable beauty turning many a husband's head, so I was not wholly surprised when the facts of Mr Queen's lecture were turned against Miss Fletcher, and provincial murmurings abounded of her possible participations in witchcraft. Here we bring ourselves to two days past, where I had been convinced to perform exclusively to the players of Marples Bay and Parson Queen, who was good enough to supply use of the church hall and church proper, where we would later adjourn for an eerie reading of one of my gothic tales. Though Miss Fletcher was herself a player, she was notable by her absence from the evening's entertainment. On completion of the magical portion of our evening, all took a break before moving on to the church, grouping off to take air and so forth. The group consisting of Mrs. Sarah Rebus, Miss Abigail Mason, Mr. Joseph Creek, Miss Caitlin Morse and Captain Marcus Dupin arrived at the church first and on entering were confronted with a scene much like the one dramatised this very evening, of which all evidence indicated that Miss Fletcher had performed an unholy ritual gone terribly wrong, summoning a horror which had delivered her demise. This caused vocal hysteria within the group, catching the attention some distance away of Constable Wolfe, who left the side of Pastor Queen to investigate the uproar. On partaking of the sight himself, Mr Wolfe pulled close the doors, then had quite the attack of nerves. Some short while later, Mrs Emily Dupin and Miss Louise Brown arrived as a pair almost simultaneously with the independent Pastor Queen, to whom the events were described. On my arrival, and of hearing the events, I implored Constable Wolfe to find his fortitude and investigate the scene. Following some minutes in the church, Mr Wolfe exited and requested the assistance of myself and Pastor Queen for being more expert in certain fields than himself. On entering, we found the church as you see it. Here, the black altar on which stood a chalice of blood, various burnt roots and a sheet of Latin script. On the floor, a vast occult sigil, next to which a scorched circle. Of the unfortunate Miss Fletcher, we discovered a cut across her hand, certainly to fill the chalice, but no other outward signs of foul play, suggesting, at first glance, a stopping of the heart from fright, or, more fantastically, her life simply being snatched away by the devil. Pastor Queen authenticated the legitimacy of the drawn symbols and perused the Latin script, describing it as a summoning with a fatal error in its translation, imploring the infernal powers to take her rather than serve her, or something to this effect. Was it all as I described it? Miss Terry questioned the society. I see no flaw in your account, responded Constable Wolfe. And are the events clear to you, Mr Marlowe? inquired Miss Terry. As crystal, answered the inspector. Invigorated, Miss Terry continued. And so we come to my own little observations. My initial impression was that this scene needed no more thought to stage than the theatrical trickery you each employ for your productions. And with such, I here replicated the illusion. A circle of lighted paraffin with a large frameless mirror placed within it, angled towards the black drapery before the side of the entrance here, where was stationed a robed person, stood atop a stool for added height, wearing the very head Constable Reacher now possesses, which I discovered in your own prop storage. An ass head, from a midsummer night's dream, if I'm not mistaken, modified to exhibit horns. A little flash powder provided the distraction, so this individual might slip behind the drape and disappear. Having my full wits, and being a lady, I was able to examine the victim to a more intricate degree than our misters, Wolf and Queen, in doing so discovering a small puncture mark beneath her collar, 
and secreted on her person. This. With a flourish, Miss Terry pulled a piece of paper as if from the air, which I kept to myself, concluding as I had that all present were of suspicion, for I had deduced that Miss Fletcher had been injected with poison. And as I was soon to discover, motivation for that heinous action was contained in this very note. The next morning I requested the good inspector's presence by telegram, and I am sure that once his specialists have analysed the victim, my suspected mode of death will be vindicated. As to my veiled interviews with those here, let us first say that I was able to excuse from the list of suspects those who first arrived at the scene, for having little connection to the motivation or a simple lack of opportunity. So, Mrs Rebus, Mr Mason, Mr Morse, Mr Creek and Captain Dupin, you may rest easy. The relief in those named was instantaneous, as was the increased tension of those unnamed. Now, the relevant facts. Constable Wolf and Parson Queen had both at times courted Miss Fletcher, both having been denied her hand in marriage. Of more recent times, Miss Fletcher's good friend Miss Louise Brown is herself courting Parson Queen, but could not fail to notice his lingering affection for her friend. Is this airing of our business necessary? huffed the parson. It is indeed, injected the inspector. Pray, continue, Miss Terry. Are these scenarios reason enough for murder? I think not. Until, that is, one considers the contents of this note, which makes clear that Miss Fletcher was in an illicit relationship with none other than Captain Marcus Dupin, and that they planned to abscond together on his next voyage. The society were aghast. The captain hung his head in shame as his wife removed from his side. Miss Terry barreled on. I believe this secret had become known amongst the jilted suitors and cheated wife, and could easily be a reason for jealous murder. But all were confirmed to be in the presence of others when the church theatrics were afoot. So where do we stand? Where indeed, dear listener? You have the clues. Are you able to surmise the guilty party? Let us return to Miss Terry to confirm. Mrs. Emily Dupin, betrayed wife of the captain, would you, in your hatred, be capable of such an evil and intricate plan? Perhaps. But paired with the innocent Miss Brown at the scene suggests a lack of opportunity. Though I suspect you are not entirely free of guilt, for it was you who started the unfounded rumours of Miss Fletcher's dalliances in witchcraft. Rumours which were the very inspiration for this crime. Here Mrs. Dupin too hung her head in shame. Parson Queen, you were the one to arrive at the scene after the fact and alone. You alone have access to the church, knowledge of the occult and Latin. It was you who arranged the scene. You who acted as the demon. The society collectively gasped. But I was with Constable Wolf until he ran off, Mr. Queen protested. Indeed, remarked Miss Terry. So do not look so outraged, Mr. Wolf, for this crime required a partnership of offended suitors. It was you that conceived the theatrics and later hid the materials, you who provided the pastor's alibi, and you who poisoned poor Miss Catherine Fletcher. What nonsense, you misguided harlot! What unutterable nonsense! mocked the pastor. Stow it, Queen, ordered Constable Wolf offering himself to the shackles of Inspector Marlowe. We're caught. Leaving the accused with his aid, Inspector Marlowe had some final words with Miss Terry, 
as evil a crime as I ever came across. Those trusted servants of the people, fanning the flames of superstition and fear to get away with murder. Despicable. But they didn't reckon on you, Miss Terry. They never do. My thanks, as always, for your trust, Inspector, Miss Terry replied, and with that he led away the chained victims. Yes, dear listener, victims. For Mr. Queen and Wolf were themselves but puppets in an even more sinister production. You see, Miss Terry is a very singular kind of murderess, satisfied not only with the act of murder, but also driven to use all her talent to construct such compelling frame-ups as to convince even her scapegoats of their own guilt. And for naught but her own amusement. The crime, murderum, and Captain Depin's note were, of course, Miss Terry's design. But there was no diabolical scene, no illicit affair, and no accusations of witchcraft. Only the mesmeric suggestions of each, implanted in the minds of her captive audience during their show and subsequent interviews. So, she moves on to the next community, where, no doubt, some grisly happening will require her attention. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Devil Did It, a Miss Terry Mystery, was written by Richard Reynolds, narrated by Georgia Cook, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Duncan Muggleton and Tom Robson and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course to that heretic, Ben Errington, for painting the content Space Marines, Dark Elder and Tau, and expertly positioning them over on the social media display shelf. They look Warhammer 40 okay to me. Richard Reynolds is the owner and operator of Ground Zero Comics, a small shop in Mansfield, England, but he writes, draws and produces his own comics and strips whenever he gets the chance. You can read these comics for free over on the shop's website, groundzerocomics.co.uk, and clicking into the free comics sidebar. Georgia Cook is an illustrator and writer from London. She's the winner of the LISP 2020 Flash Fiction Prize and has been shortlisted for the Bridport Prize, Staunch Book Prize, and Reflex Fiction Award, among others. She can be found on Twitter at, at GeorgiaCooked and on her website at georgiacookwriter.com. We have spots to sell on our next Getting Started Writing Short Horror Stories mini-course, so if you're a horror fan looking to put pen to paper, a writer looking for a kick up the arse to sit down and write something from beginning to end whilst picking up a few new tips and tricks along the way, perhaps a writer looking for like-minded creatives to read their work, give feedback, and to offer a little moral support, or a burgeoning novelist who wants to try something a little shorter before jumping in at the deep end. Grab your spot by heading over to theotherstories.net forward slash courses today. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver, and it's brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.